uh, just out of curiosity, you guys have a good Thanksgiving, all that? Everything go good? Everything good? All right, we're here in one piece, uh, especially, you know, when you get uh, my age. Uh, I'm not old, but I will tell you that last year when I played uh, football on Thanksgiving Day, I tore a calf muscle and had to preach in a chair for the very first time. That was terrible. And so uh, the fact that Thursday I, I walked away unscathed, that on Saturday, a bunch of us from the church played basketball, no injury. I'm like, come on, man, this is good. You know, I'm finding out. The older you get, like you start thinking about things you've never thought about before. You know, like there are just, there's some changes in life. You, you, you know, you, well, you just notice that things are, are different. They're just different. You know, some of you are further along than I am. Uh, Jim Eisentrager, you know, just, uh, just, you know, just, you know, just old, you know, old, but, uh, but no, you know, you notice, you know, thing, you know, your balance isn't what it used to be. You notice that, uh, you know, uh, it's just easier to gain weight than, you know, it used to be. Uh, that the metabolism rate slows down. You notice, you just notice that, like yesterday I was playing basketball and like twice I had a burst where I could actually do something the rest of the game. I'm like, oh, you know, like you just, you make weird noises when you sit down. Like even when I take the first drink of coffee in the morning, I used to, I used to be that person. Now it's like, oh, like, I mean, like it's just like getting older. It's just, this is part, you know, it's part of it. But you know, as you, you know, the older you get, uh, you also, I don't know if it's that we become more cynical or if it's that we become, uh, maybe we would call it realistic. You know, the unbridled optimism of a seven-year-old, it changes a little bit. And by the time we're at 57 or 67 or 77, it's just a little bit different. We've gone through life and we found out that, that all of our hopes and dreams and all of that sort of thing, just because we dream, it doesn't mean that we can achieve it. I don't care what, they, what your high school graduation speech tells you. It's just not gonna always happen. And you find out that sometimes there's, there are these things that we just find ourselves disappointed. In fact, I would even say this, even as believers, it almost seems like this should not be the case, but the reality is there are times that we find ourselves even disappointed. We thought that God was going to do something that he didn't do. We thought that God was gonna answer prayer a certain way or show up in a certain way and it didn't happen. And, and, and maybe you're even here this morning and, and you're just in, I don't know how to call it, just a... A, a season of, of disappointment. It's, it's not that you've given up faith. You, you don't doubt God's goodness at all. But man, it's just, you're wondering if maybe he, I don't know, if, if he's really gonna answer that prayer request that you've been praying, not just for weeks, but maybe for months or maybe years. In fact, out of curiosity, how many of you have been praying a prayer for more than a year and you haven't seen God answer yet? Let me see your hand. Okay, you haven't seen God answer. Well, I'll guarantee you that the, that, that prayer, if you've been praying it over 12 months, it's a significant thing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's a significant thing. You know, when we think of the, the Christmas story and we begin to work our way towards uh, Christmas in this Advent season, um, we, we, we think of, you know, the shepherds and the wise men and the manger and, 
and, you know, Joseph and Mary and, and all of that. But, but a lot of times we skip over what the historian Luke included as kind of the, the prequel to the, to the story. You know, he, he wants to give us some context and he includes a, a really fascinating account about a husband and wife who are older and they've got to the place and, and I, I think it's fair to say that they've been disappointed, maybe even to the point of being heartbroken because God has not answered their prayers. And Luke introduces to us to this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth in verse five of Luke one. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, Luke wants to make sure that we understand this happened at a real time, a real place. These are real people. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. So they both come from, from priestly families. If you know anything about the Old Testament, Aaron, uh, brother of, Mer- of, of Moses, the, that, that high priest, they come from this ecclesiastical background. Here's what we, can, we know about them. Verse six, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Here's the problem though. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Real quick, you know, barrenness is a, is a major issue anywhere, anytime. I just talked to a few people last week who have been praying for God to do a miracle in this area of their lives. And, and it's, there is real pain and, and this, is, this is a burden. And additionally, in a Jewish context to that real pain and the burden and, and the disappointment that, that we face even today, there was a couple things. First of all, in, in this Eastern culture, honor was a very big deal. And your, your children were, were those who brought honor to you. But more than that, there, were, there was no such thing as a 401k. It wasn't like you save for retirement. Your retirement it was your kids. And so you don't have kids and you're getting up in years. In fact, uh, a lot of scholars place the, the age of Zachariah and, and, and Elizabeth to be around any, anywhere in their, their mid to late 70s to early 80s. You get to this age and you're like, okay, okay, things are slowing down here. Who's going to take care of us in our old age? And what we're going to see is that the Zechariah and Elizabeth, they've been praying about this for years. And, and you know how it is when you're praying for something, like especially initially, you're, you're every little thing, you're like, oh, could this be it? Could this be it? You know, Elizabeth wakes up sick. You're like, oh, is this it? And then it's like, no, disappointment. And one false hope after one false hope, pray after prayer after prayer after prayer. And you get to a place, and some of you have been there, where you're like, man... You celebrate when you see God moving in other lives and it's not like you're, you're jealous necessarily, but you, you, there are times where you're like, ah, oh, man, I just, I wish God would do this in my life, this prayer request that I've been praying. This is where Elizabeth and Zechariah find themselves. Now we know that they were righteous and blameless. He makes, Luke makes a point of, of getting away that, that thing that I think nags at us sometimes that, well, the reason God's not answering our prayers is there's something wrong with us. No, it's not the case. In fact, this morning, I wanna, I wanna speak specifically to those who are just in a waiting period. Maybe it's a season of disappointment, you, you, you've had these expectations of what God was going to do and he has not done 
what you thought he was not going, what he was going to do. He, he hasn't moved in the way that you thought he was gonna move. He has not answered the, the prayer that, that you've been praying. And, and so you're in this, this waiting season. And if you're gonna be honest, maybe a little bit of disappointment. There, there are three things that I wanna, I wanna notice this morning about unanswered prayers. Okay, the first thing that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is that sometimes the answer to our prayers is simply a no. And I think that there are times that we, we don't even consider the fact that God would say no to our prayers. We, when we pray, it's almost like this assumption, well, of course, this is a good thing. Of course, he's going to, to say yes. Now, now listen, there's different things. First of all, there are ways that we can pray wrong. You know, for instance, uh, James, what is it? James 3, James 4, where he says, some of you, you know, the reason God's not answering your prayers is you're asking wrongly to you're gonna take that answer and you're gonna use it for your fleshly passions. It has nothing to do with God. In fact, it's gonna be a means to you pulling away from God. So yeah, of course, why would God answer a prayer that's gonna harm your relationship with God? I mean, that's, that's the deal. And so I would say this, like if we're praying, you know, something that, that actually goes against the teaching of scripture, of course, God's not gonna pray that. That would be like really bad misplaced faith to assume that, that God's going to answer that prayer when it actually goes against what his word says. But, but I'm gonna guess that for most of us, that's not the deal. Most of us, just this, this whole thing that, that man, what, God, what, what are you doing? But, but, but John says something in 1 John 5, 13. I'm sorry, 1 John 5, 14. He says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, here's the, here's the challenge here. We don't know what God's will is always. We know, we know his written will in, in the word, but man, I, like we don't know his will when it comes to him healing us of cancer. We don't know what God's will is and this context or in that context. And so we pray. And, and by the way, can I tell you, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with that. We pray. We're, he's encouraged us. First Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. So we, we pray, but there are times that the God can say no. And there are times we're disappointed because we, don't, we think that, that, of course, God's going to answer this prayer in the affirmative, but sometimes God just says no. And that's weird though, because we get this in other areas. Like, like, you know, for instance, you ask for that raise at work or, or you apply for that promotion and they say no, and you're disappointed, but you get it. Or, you know, you, you know in, in this context over here, you invite somebody to, uh, you know, to, to go with you to, to the movie, then they're like, uh, you know, we're already booked. And they say no, and you're disappointed, but you get it. It's kind of like my son, like our kids, they fill out... Uh, <laughs> they feel like Christmas like list every year. We always had to do it. It's always been fun. They've done it since they were like three or four. So they'll make their little list. Well, this year, uh, actually, uh, when was it? Yesterday, uh, Cole added a whole new level to his Christmas list. In fact, it's a whole, uh, under the heading, it says long shot. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you what, man, like Cole, 
He, he like, he asked big. He, he here's what I, I know, because he thinks a lot like I do. Here's what he's saying. It's like, hey, listen, I'm probably not gonna get any of this, but it never hurts to ask. Just throw it out there. And you know, if I get it, great. If not, well, it was a long shot. I think that there are times for us that we just, you know, we're, we're, we're praying and, and, and we just, we don't see God moving. And, and I will say, just because you don't see God moving does not mean that it's a no, but there are going to be times that God says no. And here's my question real quick. How, how do you handle being told no? Is God not good if he says no to what you want? Because I think it's good for us to wrestle this because if God is only good when he works for us, he's a genie and he's not God. There are times that God just says no. And I wonder if maybe Zachariah and Elizabeth got to that place, they're praying and, and they're not seeing God move and, and they're like, well, we don't know that's a clear no, but, but I'm gonna assume that it's a, a no, but, but there's another thing when it comes to unanswered prayers where the answer to your prayer just might be delayed. Because there's something that I think is really fascinating in the story that is true of every one of us. God hears your prayers the moment you pray them. And I would say that God answers your prayers <laughs> the, the, you know, when it comes to you praying them. He already knew how he was gonna answer the prayer. The only difference was, is that God's calendar doesn't always match our calendar. And there are times that we're praying and, and we're expecting God to show up now. And in and, and essence, that this prayer that we prayed years and years ago and we've been praying for years, God already answered the prayer years ago, but he knew when it needed to happen. And as we continue to read, this is what we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Verse eight, now while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Real quick, uh, this is kind of cool. The, the, what, what, the, what Jewish priests would do is that they were all in a division. There were about 18,000 priests. And so every, you know, there, there were certain seasons. You only served a certain season every year. And in that season, you were, you were given the chance by lot. Uh, and it was, it was a, you know, a thing in which they would cast, uh, they would cast these stones and, and it would be a way in which God would make things uh, clear to them, they believed. And so you would be chosen to be the one to go in and offer incense. This was a once in a lifetime opportunity if it ever happened. Many people never got this opportunity. But when you, once you had the opportunity, you never got the opportunity again. Now, I want you to notice, Zachariah and Elizabeth have been praying for years and years and years and years. All of a sudden, he shows up, to, you know, it's the time for them, to, for them to serve. At this particular time, the lost stone you know, are cast. He selected, he goes in. Now, here's what you gotta know. When they would go to offer incense on, on the altar, the altar was in, uh, you know, was, was a place that nobody else could go except the priests. And, and then it was very close by the Holy of Holies, which was the place that only the high priest could go into. And he could only go into this place once a year. This was as close to the presence of God, if you will, that a person could get. 
In fact, in, you know, the, the, they, would have, they had the mercy seat. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant would have been in the Holy Holies. It symbolized the, 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 the presence of God when they go to intercede. He's going there to offer incense. Now, when they offered incense, it wasn't just this like, you know, ritual that they did. It represented the prayers of the people of God. So I want you to catch this. A guy who has been praying for years and years and years and years and years and has not got the answer to prayer is the guy who selected to go in and represent the entire nation of Israel and offer these prayers to God. Now, I'm not, there is nothing in scriptures to suggest what I'm gonna suggest. But you gotta wonder if Zachariah's like, oh man, it's an honor, but dude, he isn't even answering my prayer and I'm, I'm the whole nation, are you kidding me? And yet he goes in and it's at this point that God's calendar comes to fruition where God is going to show up in a way that he could never have expected because as he's standing there offering incense, verse 11, we read, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So he's offering it up and boom, there's nobody else that's supposed to be in there. There's an angel. Now, you know, like we, we got to wrap our minds around the fact that real angels don't look like Precious moments, figurines, like they're not at all. Like, like when, when angels show up, the first thing that they say is what, what the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Like every time angels show up in scripture, like people are losing their minds. Like the angel's like, don't die on me. Like, no, no, don't be afraid. I'm here, this is good. So like all of you is like, I think I saw an angel. It was the most beautiful person. You didn't see an angel. You ate too much sausage last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is legit. So the angel shows up, says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Catch this. For your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Hold on a second. What Gabriel just said there, we read that, it's like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, we just keep reading, it's part of scripture. But I want, you, I want you to catch that he's actually quoting something from the Old Testament. Okay, so, so like real quick, if you've got your Bibles and you can find it, uh, go, go to Malachi. It's the very last book in the Old Testament. Malachi is the very last book in the Old Testament. So I want, I want you to catch something real quick. So Malachi is chronologically, from what, from what we gather, the last book to be written the last message that God gave a prophet until Gabriel shows up to Zechariah. Okay, now I want you to catch this. There's been 400 years, nada, quiet, stillness, okay? The very last words that the prophet Malachi wrote before he laid down his pen and the curtain fell and it went dark for 400 years was, Verse five of chapter four, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. 
And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the lamb with a decree of utter destruction. What Gabriel was saying to Zechariah, words that Zechariah had memorized was that I'm not just going to send you a son, I'm going to send you the answer to the prayers of all of Israel. I'm not just answering your prayers. You're standing in here. You're offering incense, representing the people of, of, of Israel and all of their prayers. You know what they've been praying for? They've been praying for deliverance. They've been praying for the Messiah to show up. For 400 years, there has not been an angel show up. In fact, the last time an angel showed up was 500 years ago when he showed up to Daniel. The last time that there's a recorded miracle in scripture happened when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fire. There's been 500 years where, where an angel hasn't showed up. There's been 400 years in which there's been no message. And now all of a sudden, what God is doing, because God's calendar doesn't match our calendar, he's saying, now's the time. And I'm not just gonna answer your prayers. You're in here on purpose, representing the entire nation of Israel. I'm going to answer the prayers of a nation and it's gonna happen through you. And there's nothing special about Zechariah. In fact, different, different translations describe him as a certain priest. They don't even say that he was a noble priest, a talented priest or anything like that. A certain priest, wow, way to go. He doesn't use like some guy that, that is well-known. He's just a common, common priest. In fact, a common disappointed priest who God has not showed up for. But now what he's saying is, oh, I've been showing up. You just didn't know. Now my calendar has come and it's time for me to show up and move. And I'm not just giving you a son. I'm sending you a son who's not going to just be the initiator of a national revival in which people are gonna come and are gonna be baptized. He's called John the Baptist for a reason, but he's also going to be the one who introduces the Messiah. Zechariah hears these words and he's like, hold on a second though. And you gotta, I won't put yourself in the story. This is a guy who's prayed for years. And now the, the angel, he's got over the fear of the angel. Now he's like, well, well how, can, how can I be sure that what you say is true? He's like, I'm an old man. And then he throws Elizabeth under the bus. And my wife is advanced in years. You know, like if, like if you saw her birth certificate, it says expired right now. Like she's saying, it's not gonna happen. I want to tell you, Lori just had a birthday on Monday. I must step carefully around this. But um, if an angel shows up and tells us that we're having a kid, I'm like, you got the wrong address. This is Zechariah. Because I think there are times that we pray and we pray and we pray. And we get to place, we're, not, we're not sure we're ever gonna see the answer. Like, like we believe that God, it does not change the fact that we believe that God's good or whatever, but it's almost like our praying, it becomes more habitual than it does Honestly, us praying with this dynamic faith because we, we pray because we're, we know we should. And honestly, we still wanna see it happen, but we almost are to a place like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever gonna see it. This is Zechariah. He's like, where were you in my 20s, my 30s? Even my 40s, I could have pulled this off. Are you kidding me right now? And what God does is he lets Zechariah see that he doesn't need our calendar 
And he doesn't need our idea of what it's gonna look like to answer prayer. He's good and he's great. He's gonna do it his way. In fact, it's interesting, Gabriel, the angel said to him, he said, I'm Gabriel. I like this verse 19. I stand in the presence of God. In other words, I know what I'm talking about. I was there. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But then, Zechariah, because you said what you said, I'm putting you in time out. Look at verse 20. It said, behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And it wasn't just that he was dumb. He was, he was deaf and dumb. Because if you look at verse 62, uh, they're actually uh, making, doing, using sign language to, to talk to him. So, so he goes into this period of silence. It's at least nine months. And for nine months, there, there are two things that I'm pretty sure God did. And I, I, wanna, I wanna hit this because the, the, in the waiting season, we just wonder what God's up to. What, what God's up to. There are two things that, that I, I think God wanted Zachariah to see, but I will tell you that I think there, there are a couple things that he wants us to see. First of all, God wants us to see that he'll show up and he's gonna move when he alone gets the glory. Now, there are times, the, the reason we're praying for some of those things for, for years, for months, is because they matter and they're big deals. And they're, they're not things that we, can, that we can make happen. You know, it's one thing to, to you know, pray, pray for a new car, and then you go out and you pick up two extra jobs, and did God give you the strength to, and, all, and the opportunities to work a job? Yeah, but there's a part of it where you're like, yeah, I, but I picked up the extra work. But then there's a time, I remember when Lori and I, we were, in, we were in college and actually we had just got married. We were working for the college. Combined, we were making $300 a week. And my car had, had a blown head gasket. I'd put so much money in the car and I'm like, it's, it's gone. I'd sold it. I'm like, I told Lori, I said, at least we have your car. But her car was not a good car. Like it, I was starting to go bald even then. And it had, it was, a, it was an old uh, Buick and the, the lining had the, the, it was like the felt lining on the top. It came unloose and it would just drift down and it would get caught in the stub of my hair and leave orange little things all over my hair, which I hated that. But I remember when we had sold, we'd got rid of my car, I didn't get anything out of it hardly. And then her car broke down, we had absolutely nothing. Man, we had prayed, man, God, would you help us? And I mean, we had zero money. We had, I didn't have anybody to call. I didn't have anybody to turn to. And I remember I told Lori, I was like, man, we prayed. But man, tonight I just, I said, I, I want us to just pray for them because we got nothing else. If God doesn't show up, we've got nothing. I remember that night, Lori and I, we got down and we knelt. Man, I'll never forget it, man. We knelt by, uh, her, uh, by our bed. And dude, I kid you not, man, the, the next day, man, we've been having car issues for years. The next day, I get called in, the, the president of the college said, hey, somebody donated a car. And I was trying to think of somebody, like, do you know if anybody could use a car? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I do. But I, I remember God providing this car for us. And then I always called that car God's car. It was a 95 Mercury Sable. 
powder blue. It was God's car. When I sold it before I moved to Idaho, I told the guy, I said, take care of this. This is God's car. And I've never forgot because it was at a moment where literally there's no other, our, we had nothing to bring to the table. It had to be God or nothing. There are times that God will bring us to a place where the only thing, like the only thing he says is like, man, God, that's you. There are other times that God will actually allow us to be in a season where it feels like we're deaf and dumb. We, we feel like it's just, everything's turned up inside and, and, and all of us, but he puts us in this waiting season because sometimes the waiting room is a classroom because he wants to teach us. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go pray with a couple. And I'm not gonna tell you their, their whole story. It's their story to tell, not mine, but it's been a season of disappointment for them. It's been a season of disappointment with their family. It's been a season of disappointment physically. And they were sharing some of this, what they'd been through. And before I prayed, I asked the question. I said, what has God taught you in this season? And we're talking like a season of 13 years. Man, it was the funniest thing because like one of the spouses is in a hospital bed, in a hospice bed. And yet both of their eyes lit up and they begin to tell me what God was teaching and what God was doing. You see, there are times that God delays because number one, when he shows up and the answer comes, he alone is gonna get the glory. And number two, there are times that he delays because even in the waiting season, he's gonna teach us and he's gonna change us. Does it take away the disappointment? No. I, I will tell you, I told somebody this morning that had stopped me after they said, man, that message was for me. Here's you know, what I've been going through. And I said, well, I said, all I, all I can say is I think this message for me is coming out of a place where I've been. Man, God, I've seen God move. I've seen God do incredible things. But man, I'm, even me personally as your pastor, there are prayer requests that I prayed for and I haven't seen God move. And it's, it's, it's this whole thing of, it's, there's, it's not cynicism, but it's like, God, what are you doing? And yet, man, the things that I keep holding on to is that God is good, God is able, and his timing trumps my timing every single time. And so we see Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're, they're going through this, but... This is not where the story ends with him being deaf and, and dumb. No, what they're gonna find out is the, the thing that sometimes we'll find out. When it comes to unanswered prayer, yes, sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's delayed. But right here, what we're gonna find out is that sometimes the answer to your prayer might just look different than you imagined it. But just because it look, looks different than what you imagined doesn't mean that God's not answering your prayer. Man, how many of you guys have prayed, have thanked God for unanswered prayers? Like, remember that person you asked God to let you marry? Woo, thank God for that. Now, there, there are times God answers your prayer, but he just answers it differently. And I wonder if there are times that, that we're not spiritually intuitive enough to step back and see that God is answering the prayer. He's just answering it differently.
You know, this whole thing about, about Zechariah, man, like it's not that he's some stubborn old fool. I want you to think about it, man. Like his, his struggle to believe what Gabriel's telling him is because Gabriel's going to probably his most vulnerable spot. It's the area in, in he and Elizabeth's life where they've had the most disappointment. I mean, if they've, they've prayed for anything, it's been this. And, 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 and that, man, there are times we get to the place where it's almost easier to, to give up believing than it is to hope and be disappointed one more time. And yet what God is going to do here, he's gonna show up and he's gonna answer and his answer is gonna look different. Because, you know, it's interesting when Elizabeth conceived, verse 25, it says, you know, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived for five months, she kept herself hidden, which makes sense. If you're 80 and you're having a baby and you're gaining some weight, people aren't like, oh, I wonder if she's pregnant. They're like, you're gaining some weight. And so like, she's hiding herself. But then she says, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. God's remembered me. Then we see verse 57, when he's born, when the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, she bore a son. I like how all the neighbors and relatives showed up and they tried to take over. You know, they, they heard that, you know, the Lord has shown great mercy, they rejoiced. But then when they came to circumcise the child, they, uh, they, would, they wanted to call him Zachariah. I'm like, hold on, this is our baby. Step back, step back. And she's like, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives are called by this name. And so they're not gonna listen to Elizabeth. They go to Zachariah. Deaf and dumb Zachariah, making signs, you know, trying to get his attention. What do you want to be called? Verse 63, it says, he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, but here, here's what happened when he said his name is John. You know, what, you know what he was saying? He's saying, I believe what God said. I believe what Gabriel said. Man, I, I, I struggled there. I believe it now. In fact, his mouth was open. In fact, he goes into some freestyle rapping through the end of, of Luke chapter one. Like you, you read this, like the, the Holy Spirit fills him. He's doing some prophetic poetry. It's, it's, be, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what we see is that, is that uh, God showed up. And you know, I, I, as, as we come to a close, I, just, I wanna close this way. I'm gonna be different what I did last uh, last time. Um, I want you to think, Zechariah got a son, but he didn't get a son to do what he was envisioning him to do. I mean, think about it. If he's in his late 70s, early 80s, and he has a son, his son couldn't have been there for him to provide for him. His son was a little baby. There's a good chance that, he, that Zechariah died when John the Baptist was still a little kid. So, so what he was praying for, what he wanted to see, God showing up and, and giving me some security in my old age, some honor in our, our old age and all that, he never, he never got to see that. But it's interesting because they thought that their main issue was, was their barrenness, their, their inability to conceive a, a child. But you know, there's more than one type of barrenness. In fact, I think that's why there are times we're, we're praying for that thing because we think that thing, whatever that thing happens to be, that's what's gonna deliver. That's what, that's what, that's what is, is going to supply the need. But, but what God knows is that we're barren in other ways, that, that, that sometimes what we're wanting to see God do, has, that, that's not the one thing we need. There's a barrenness of the soul.
And what I love next week, we're gonna look at in the middle of the story, like in the middle of this account, we have the story of Mary and, and, and her encounter and what takes place with, with she's gonna have a baby. And what we see is that even when, when, when John the Baptist is born, it's part of the birth story of Jesus. You know, Zechariah, he's, he's symbolizing the Jews as a whole. They've been praying and praying and praying for God to send a Messiah. Yet there's nothing but silence. And, and anytime we, we have that silence, you're like, God's not listening. Don't confuse God's silence with God's, with God's absence or, or some inactivity because God was moving. God was preparing. He was setting up what was going to take place because this baby, this Jesus, baby born to Mary, Jesus, was going to be the answer to the barrenness, not just of a couple who wanted to have a baby, the barrenness to a nation. And this, this baby that God was sending them, John, was going to be the one who was able to introduce him to, to literally on a massive stage, introduce him to people that needed him. That the son that they had prayed for to take away their, their, their feelings of reproach and all of that sort of thing, actually, God was going to send Jesus to take away our sin and condemnation by dying for it in our place and taking our condemnation Listen, all I can say is this, when we pray, we trust the one that we're praying to more than we trust the goodness of what we're praying for. Because what I can tell you this, I'll just leave you with my big point, is that God always answers the prayers of his people, but he'll answer those prayers according to his will, his time, and his way. Along the way, do we pray for the other thing? Absolutely. Like this is not a, hey, you should stop praying. No, we pray, we ask. We don't stop until we either hear, hear and know until, until God, God shows up. But what we do is we trust his goodness, even in the waiting season, even in the times of disappointment. And so I would say this, if you're, if you're in that season, I want you to leave here knowing that God hears you, God sees you, and God has already answered his prayer. You just haven't seen what it's going to look like. And it might not look like what you think it's gonna be, but we can trust the one who ultimately we're praying to. And God, as we leave here, may we be reminded of the fact that though we face these seasons of silence where it seems like you're 100 miles away, we go through times of disappointment when we wonder if maybe we're asking wrongly or maybe there's something that we've done and we're being judged. Instead, God, may we understand that this season is nothing more than an opportunity for, first of all, you to be glorified and God, for you to teach your people. God, I'm thankful that you do answer prayer. I, I could go around this room and, and we could give you thanks for the prayers we've prayed. And it's good for us to remember like we did last week in our Thanksgiving service, because those are the things that just, and man, we, we just keep on praying. But God, in the midst of all of this, we pray not our will be done, but we pray your will be done. And I wanna thank you, God, that the hope that you've given us is not for this life. We might die never seeing our prayers answered. But God, when we live, when, when we cross from this life to the next, dear God, we will find satisfaction with you once and for all. And I thank you for the hope.
that is ours through Jesus Christ. And so God, for what you're gonna do for us, even this week, for what you're gonna do for saints in lonely places, in quiet places, in seasons of disappointment, I wanna thank you because you're not done. And because of that, we're gonna keep praying and we're gonna keep trusting. And God, we're gonna pray your will be done. Lord, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' strong name. And all God's people said, amen. You're dismissed.